Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 49. I'm your co-host, as usual, Sam Thillman, joined as usual by Zach Faldor. Zach, how are you doing on this fine June uh, evening? I'm doing good, man. Excited to talk some Mac. We're getting every week we talk, it's a little bit closer to football season. Uh, before we get into football, though, I wanted to ask you, it's two years in a row now, your Pacers looking for a new head coach, man. I mean, I, I I may have said this on the podcast when Bjorgren got hired. I didn't think he was the guy. I I, I I don't think he ever got the locker room to buy into his system. He just wasn't the right fit. I wanted D'Antoni. I may have mentioned this on this podcast or a different podcast where the case is. I thought D'Antoni should have been a guy. Now they're looking at the Portland Trailblazers head coach, and I think that's just another stupid hire, which is going to lead us down to another path of – either not making the playoffs or making the playoffs first round exit. And Kevin Pritchard needs to get his shit together, honestly, or <laughs> I would, he's made good roster decisions, but if you can't hire the right coach, it doesn't yeah. mean anything. So I, I don't know who they'll end up hiring. I hope it's Dan Tony once again, but who knows at this point? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. That Bjorg, the Bjorgren, or what, how, I don't even know how to say his name, but yeah, he that it seemed to kind of out of left field, you know. I, I hadn't I hadn't heard much about him until the Pacers hired him. So any that you know, I feel like anytime that happens, it could go one of two ways. It could go really well. He could surprise some people, or he could prove, you know, he could show why there's a reason why nobody ever heard of him before. And unfortunately, it seems like that's the way it went with the Pacers. Yeah, they they were trying to go for the exactly the same thing as the Raptors did. Got a guy straight out of the G League. He had proven success in the G League and thought it was going to fit. But it clearly shows that not everybody's just gifts enough to go from the G League to um, the NBA. I mean, Nick Nurse is one in a million. You just happen to land on such a steal of a coach. But who who knows? We'll see who they get. But anyway – Zach, there's a lot to um, talk about in the Mac world, and we'll start out with let, – let's start out with uh, – we were kind of talking off air about what Western Michigan did this past week. Yeah, this, so this has been an interesting um, – and been in, this has been an interesting week for, for Western Michigan. So um, anyone who really pays attention, if you're a Western Michigan fan, you probably already knew about this, but back in, back in uh, December – they rolled out a, a kind of a rebrand of their athletics. Now, at the time in December, it didn't get a ton of, of traction, a ton of play. It kind of went under the radar. It's kind of picked up steam here um, over over like the the last couple of weeks for whatever reason. But like they officially announced this on like December 6th. Uh, and just here over the last couple of weeks, so like I said, it started to get a lot more attention. So the they are doing away with their old color scheme, their old color scheme. They had like seven colors that were official colors. They've, they've pared that down to two. So their official colors now are brown and yellow, 
which I think I don't think there's any problem there. I think the problem lies, Sam, that they're they're making their new official logo the most generic looking W. It's a yellow W in a brown circle. They're getting rid of the Bronco as their main, you know, it's still their mascot, but it's not their main logo, their main trademark logo anymore. And I think that's where a lot of people have issue here, Sam. I don't, I don't get the whole, you know, the new primary logo just being a W now. That's it's it's very boring to me. And to me, like what what kind of bugs me a little bit is if you're gonna get rid of the Bronco, at least change it to something else. Because what do they want us to really call them? The Washington, the uh, Western Michigan W's. Honestly, like <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly confused. If you're gonna, if you don't want the Bronco then switch your name entirely. But I, I noticed that they're uh, it's in the Hustle Bell article, he mentions they're keeping as their secondary watermark. And, and honestly, I don't understand why you're pushing it to the secondary. It makes you, the Bronco makes you stand out. It's what we're used to. I, I think it's really cool on all the helmets. They have a pretty unique design. And now you're going with this kind of yellow and brown that's just kind of like... It's yeah. one thing for the Washington football team to do it because obviously there there's some uh, some issues with the with what they went from, but the Broncos there's no issue with that. Like there was no issue until you made it an issue, and that for me just just seems like a Western Michigan making a problem out of n- not a problem at all. Yeah, I I agree completely, Sam. I, I feel like if if you look at the hustle bar. Hustle Belt article, excuse me, that uh, that Steve wrote, Steve Helwick wrote. It, he has in there an image of the new rebranded Bronco with the new color scheme, the brown and the yellow with some white in there. The new Bronco looks good. It, it's, I mean, it's the same as the old Bronco, just you know, with a, a little bit of uh, refinement and, and some different colors. The new the new Bronco looks good. And if you look also in that article on Hustle Belt, you know, we there was a poll in there asking fans their reactions. And basically 50% of the fans said that they like the new simplified color scheme. They just hate the new primary logo, the W. So it seems to me like if I'm Western Michigan, there's a pretty simple solution here. Like clearly fans don't have a problem with the new simplified color scheme. Let's just keep the Bronco as our main logo here. I I think that seems to be a pretty simple solution to me. I don't know if Western Michigan is going to hear their fans feedback and actually do that. But, you know, if, if they come out week one for football against Michigan with just a yellow W on their helmet, I, I don't know how people are going to react to that. I know I would be very disappointed in that if I was a Western Michigan fan. Yeah, uh, no doubt. I, I think there is some just, just questions that needs to be answered from Western Michigan's athletic department because it's it's like I, I don't see why there was such a need for a bold change when there wasn't. Like the Cleveland Indians, obviously you get it. Washington football team, you obviously get the transition, but this is just kind of out of left field which you didn't really need to change. And if you want to go ahead and change it, like you said, the, the new Bronco logo looks looks pretty good. And you want to try that out before going to this W, that's fine. But to totally revamp it now just seems very weird, especially where, when we're in a time, you mentioned the financial issues. We're in a time where it's not just, you should be going around spending willy-nilly money when there, when there was just a pandemic 
but that's just, that's just my thoughts on it. Well, I, I agree with you. The, 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 financial, the financial aspect of this is interesting. And, and the timing of it is interesting as well, Sam, because part of this rollout of this you know, rebranding was where they talked about how they were doing this as cost effectively as possible and really being mindful of the budget and how much money they were spending on that. It's hilarious that they came out and said that. And then two days later, Western Michigan announces they get a $550 million donation from their alumni where it's the largest gift that a public institution in the United States has ever received. Good for Western Michigan, but if money was a part of this problem, money's not an excuse now. You just got a $550 million donation. So I don't know. That's neither here nor there. We'll see what they do. I, like I said, I feel like there's a pretty simple solution there if I'm, a, if I'm a, in the Broncos athletic department. Just keep the Bronco as the primary logo. We'll see if they end up doing that. I don't know if, they'll, if they'll, the fan backlash will be enough to cause that, but um, I don't know. We'll see what they end up doing. Um, talking about the, the fans even more, we have some good news for both Western Michigan and Bowling Green if you want to break that down for us, Zach. Yeah, so um, anyone who recalls last week, we talked about Toledo had announced that they were they were they were the first MAC team to come out and announce that um, they were going full capacity for football games in the fall. When we talked about that last week, we said that we felt like uh, you know it was other MAC schools were going to follow suit from that. And just this week, Western Michigan and Bowling Green both announced full capacity for the fall. So those are the only three MAC teams that have made any official announcements thus far. Now that, you know, one quarter of the conference has come out and said that I I anticipate a lot more schools will come out and start saying it as well. Um, It's exciting stuff though. I know it seems like every day more schools are coming out and announcing that they're going full capacity in the fall. I know, uh, Penn State and Michigan, a bunch of, of uh, Big Ten teams have done it, the SEC teams, even some Pac-12 teams, which I think a lot of people felt would be the most hesitant to do so. Um, I know like I know Utah came out and announced full capacity in the fall. So, um, so it seems like we're trending back towards full stadiums this fall, which I know as football fans, I think we're all excited about. Yeah, I, I think I'm excited about I think every Mac school should do this. There's no excuse anymore when professional stadiums are coming out and saying full capacity. Like I know the Chicago Cubs are coming out and saying they're full capacity. I think everybody, but a couple of teams on the NFL side are going yeah. back to full stadium. So I don't see there any reason to um, not go full capacity. I mean, just this past weekend, I went to a triple a game, Indianapolis Indians, and we didn't have to wear a mask. So if that tells you anything, I think we're trending in the right direction, as you mentioned, and there shouldn't be any really issues to prevent us from full stadiums. And let's be honest, unless it's a good game, most like the, the Schumann stadium I went to, it wasn't full capacity even anyway, you can still socially distance there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, so there's, even if there's you allow full capacity, there's not even a guarantee that it will be full capacity. Yeah. So like, these, uh, the rest of the nine schools or whatever the case is should just go ahead and announce it because there's not really anything holding you back at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Sam. And, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting. We, we, we talked briefly about the, uh, the NBA at the beginning here. It's been really cool to see these NBA arenas the last week or so in the playoffs here really filled up, like with the Knicks and Madison Square Garden in the first round. That was electric. I know, I don't know if you saw any of that Utah LA game yeah. last night, but Utah had full capacity. The, the atmosphere there was electric. Like 
fans, I mean, if we were going to, we had to do, you know, sports with no fans for a year and we got through it. But now that fans are back in these stadiums, it's, it just doesn't even compare. It's so much better. The atmosphere just, there's, there's no comparison. And I'm really excited. I think college football is really going to benefit from having fans back in the fall. Oh, I, I completely agree. And moving on to the next story. I mean, we might as well wrap up the Western Michigan news here. We've already talked about two of the stories. Some kind of uh, bad news for uh, Western Michigan basketball fans. Yeah, good news for me as a Penn State fan, though. Um, <laughs> we got uh, Western Michigan uh, second leading scorer and leading rebounder from last year, Greg Lee, uh, honorable mention All-Mac, uh, announced the other day that he would transfer to Penn State for his final season of college basketball coming up here in uh in the winter he averaged again 13 points a game 7.2 rebounds a game last year for western michigan had a number of double doubles uh this is going to be his third school he started off college at cal state bakersfield made the ncaa tournament one time with them uh transferred to western michigan last year to be closer to home and now uh that he's graduated he's going to utilize that one extra year of um eligibility finish out his career he wanted to step up in competition a little bit compete in the big 10 so as a Penn State fan, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to get him into the rotation. I don't think he's going to be a starter. He'll probably be a sixth or a seventh man off the bench. But, you know, watching him last year, he was one of the few bright spots for Western Michigan. So I know Western Michigan fans are, I'm sure, probably going to be sad to see him go. He did initially announce back in April that he was going to return to Western Michigan for this last season. Had a change of heart, though. Like I said, wanted to play against some, uh, some, some quote-unquote better competition. We'll see how he does in the Big Ten. I, you know, obviously, yeah, he has the frame for it. You know, he's six nine. He can, you know, get some rebounds. So we'll see how he does uh, in 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 the uh, with the big boys in the Big Ten. Yeah, and considering this team just went five and sixteen a year ago, four and twelve conference, you don't want to lose anybody at this point. And I don't know about you, Zach, but I'm not expecting big things from this Broncos team. I, I think if they were even to keep uh, Greg Lee around. Maybe you've seen uptick in results. Maybe you see in the double digit range, but honestly, I think this Western Michigan team was only going to continue to struggle from here. I, I, I think it to Greg Lee's credit, he went out, put his name in the transfer portal only has a year left. So he needs to make the most of it. Found a school like Penn state that plays tough competition in the big 10. So Obviously, you get your name out there. You get more. You maybe get uh, some minutes there, some meaningful minutes. And I, I think this only helps uh, Greg Lee's um, case, even if he doesn't go to the NBA professional, maybe um, somewhere um, um, overseas. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he could definitely turn this into a, you know, a European professional, uh, you know, professional career. But, you know, I think a, a lot of big name teams were after him. I think he acquitted himself well in the MAC last year. You know, his, his final three uh, were, were Penn State, Arkansas, and Illinois. Arkansas and Illinois, obviously, both in the NCAA tournament last year. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, he, he performed well last year in the MAC. I know Broncos fans are going to be sad to see him go. You know, something else I just thought of, Sam, maybe he's with us. Maybe he just didn't like this whole rebrand. He doesn't like the new W logo, so, and he got out of there. But uh, I'm, I'm half kidding. But, no, seriously, I think, um, I think it'll be a good move for him. I, I think I'm excited for him to see how he compete uh, at the Power 5 level. But well, moving on from talking about the Western Michigan W's, we're gonna we're gonna uh, touch on let's uh, touch on the um, MAC uh, track and field championships. Yeah, for sure. So um, we got some uh, some uh, MAC uh, the the. 
man, I can't talk right now. The NCAA championships uh, for track and field are taking place this weekend. They actually, it actually started yesterday taking place over the, over the course of this entire week. And there are uh, 12 Mac athletes or hold on a second, two, four, six, eight, 10, 11, excuse me, 11 Mac athletes that were invited to uh, Eugene, Oregon for the NCAA track and field finals. Uh, Kayla Butler from Bowling Green in the hammer throw, Brandon Burke from Buffalo in the high jump, uh, Tajay Bryant from Eastern Michigan, also in the, she's in the hammer throw and the discus, and then Quintella Johnson in the high jump, Gabby Bailey uh, from Kent State in the shot put, Leah Pasqualetti also from Kent State in the pole vault, Olivia Bechtel in the 400 meter from Miami, Finley McClear also Miami in the 800 meter, Ashley Tut from Northern Illinois in the 10,000 meter, which is that's a long run right there. I, I don't envy her. Stephanie Sherman from Toledo in the 10,000 meter and then uh, Petronella Simuch from Toledo in the 1500 meter. So a good showing of Mac athletes heading out to Eugene for the NCAA championships here, Sam. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's cool is it's also giving me on ESPN three. So I can actually, if you don't pay for ESPN plus, like I don't, or my, parents, yeah. especially my parents don't, you can actually watch this event. It is going on uh, actually, actually today, right? Yeah, it started it actually started yesterday on Tuesday, I believe, or maybe maybe it was today. Uh, but it's it's cool because all of these events are spread out. If you take a look at it, you know, I'm you know, the the discus is 730 on Friday. The hammer throws 530 on Wednesday. Uh, the 10,000 meter race is six o'clock on Thursday. So it's all spread out over a number of days. So if you have any interest in that and you have some free time here, some, you know, can all, you can always turn on ESPN three and I'm sure there'll be some stuff going on. So it's a it's a cool thing. Um, you know, a lot of these, you know, track and field is unique in the sense that you can win an, a championship as an individual, as opposed to a part of a team. So, um, any one of these 11 Mac athletes are going to represent their universities, obviously, but you know, you'd love to see a couple of them come home with a gold medal. That'd be pretty awesome. No doubt. Especially it, it is one thing cool. Is it being in Eugene German or Eugene? I shouldn't say Eugene German. That's a <laughs> former Mac basketball player, Eugene, Oregon. And the fact that everybody knows uh, Nike's headquarters is in also yeah. uh, Oregon as well. Um, so that'll be um, cool. And um, since I apparently missed some of the events, I'll be sure to catch um, whatever events are left. But um, any any final thoughts on uh, the NCAA championship, Zach? No, I'm excited. I'm definitely going to take some time here over the next couple of days and over the weekend to watch a little bit of it. Um, it's not something that I've, I've watched in the past, but it does intrigue me. So I'm definitely going to take some time to check it out this weekend. But with the final general news segments, we've got two um, Mac, uh, Mac schools uh, claiming uh, uh, respective trophies for uh, men's and women's. Yeah. So um, for anyone that ha hasn't followed this or wasn't aware of this in the past, um, at the end of every athletic year, the Mac gives out the, the Jacoby trophy for the, um, the, the top women's athletic program during the, the calendar year. And then the Reese trophy, uh, for the top men's athletic program in, in the, uh, in the calendar year, uh, the, the Jacoby trophy in, in, in women's athletics this year went to Kent state. Um, they, uh, what competed in 11 sports during the academic year, they won the track and field outdoor championship. Uh, for the eighth time, as well as they captured the women's golf title, which we've talked about, you know, 22 in a row. Uh, their field hockey team went 11 and three. Uh, the softball program uh, finished above 500 and went 23 and 16 in the MAC. So overall, a really, really strong uh, year for the Golden Flashes on the women's side. 
uh, really anchored by that track and field outdoor championship and then the women's golf championship. So Kent State and one there, Bowling Green at two, Miami at three, Northern Illinois at four, and Ball State at five. Um, and I think, like I said, Sam, you know, we've talked a lot about the women's golf program at Kent State, but really just a, a great year all around for the Golden Flashes. Yeah, and what I like about these awards especially is the fact that there's no voting on them. And, and I, I think that's um, kind of unique. In a lot of awards, it's debatable. You could say, oh, this person should have won Mac Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. This person should have won, uh, for, should have been placed on the first team. But stats don't lie at the end of the day. And I like that the Mac did these based on the finishes and compiled a point total based on this. It wasn't um, uh, pull the athletic directors and think who won each conference. It was clearly showed on the stat sheet that Kent State won on the women's side and uh, Miami, Ohio won on the men's side. And, and I think this is a cool idea. I think this is unique. And and I think I think we should take into account more, um, more stats than opinions because let's be honest, when we see the preseason polls for uh, preseason first teams, uh, preseason polls for who for what teams are going to land where. We obviously have a lot of disagreements, but with this, it's pretty straightforward and it's pretty um, understandable. And and I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. And so uh, it's yeah, they break it down for based on each school's finish in each sport. So yeah, you're right. It's it's much more uh, concrete as opposed to subjective. So congrats to uh, to to Kent State for for taking home. The, uh, the Jacoby Trophy. On the men's side of things, uh, the Reese Trophy, this went, one went to Miami, uh, who won the Reese Trophy for a conference record 25th time. Uh, this is the second year in a row uh, that they won the, the, the Reese Trophy for the top men's athletic program. Uh, the second time they've done that, uh, the last time they did it was in, uh, in 2004, 2005. Now it's interesting here on the men's side, you know, Kent state, we talked about, they have 11 women's programs. So that's what they were judged on. Miami only has seven men's sports, uh, but they won two Mac championships this year. Uh, and that was in men's track and field, which was the first time they had won it since 93. And then the, the men's swimming and diving championship. So those two, I mean, you have seven programs, two of them win a championship. That's almost a third. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Miami. So Miami finishes in one on the men's side of things, Western Michigan at two ball state at three, Kent state at four central Michigan at five, uh, a really good year all around uh, for, for the Red Hawks, Sam, I think this might surprise some people that, that don't follow all the sports as closely, because you think about like the, the, the major programs with like football and men's basketball, you know, I had, they didn't have bad years, but they certainly weren't like banner years at Miami, but some of these other, these other sports, you know, we mentioned um, track and field and, and swimming and diving, even cross country as well. They were the runner up at the conference meet. Um, you know, it's, it's a good year all around for the Red Hawks. A lot of those Olympic sports are, you know, quote unquote, non-revenue sports really performed well for them. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and I think I would have been interested to see with a full season, how the uh, Mac football team got to do, they only got to play three games. I think it would have been interesting to see them on the normal six game or even the 12 game schedule, see how they finish. We'll, we'll be able to see how they finish in the, the 12 game schedule this year. But yeah, overall, great year. You mentioned almost a third placing first. You, cross country was so close to um, having three teams 
have a MAC championship game, so you or MAC championship trophy. So you can't be mad at Miami winning the Reese Trophy when you have that much success. And you mentioned only seven programs. You have two, almost three, win it. It's almost a guaranteed uh, first place there for the Reese Trophy. Yeah, I agree. So congrats to Miami. Congrats to Kent State. Uh, great year for both uh, for both uh, athletic programs at their respective schools. And, uh, you know, we're just a, a couple months away here from getting started on the 2021 trophy. So all those other schools that came up close, uh, you know, or came up a little bit short, we'll have a chance to, to, to get back to the top of that mountain next year. And with that being said, we, uh, we actually posted a Twitter question this week. We said, um, basically, which non-conference games do you have circled on your calendar? We obviously gave you ours last episode. You can listen to that episode on um, any uh, platform, obviously. So, and then um, also, where does the MAC have the best shot to knock off a Power 5 opponent? And we had uh, two responses this past week. Yeah, so um, actually both responses we got were uh, games that we talked about last week on the podcast, Sam. So it seems like the fans are thinking along the same lines uh, that we are. Um, you know, first response will go with our, our friends, uh, Alex and AJ over at the College Sports Connection podcast. They mentioned Notre Dame Toledo could be a good game and a trap game for the Irish after a, uh, after a shorter week for them. So that was a game that, that, that we mentioned last week uh, that I think, you know, on paper, it seems like Toledo certainly has the talent to compete in that game. One thing that we didn't talk about uh, last week on the show that they pointed out, that's actually a great point, is that, you know, Notre Dame has a short week coming into that game against Toledo. So that game is week two on Saturday, September 11th. Uh, in week one, Notre Dame has to go to Florida State. And because that game is on Memorial Day weekend, that game's actually on Sunday. So Notre Dame opens the season on the road on a short week, has to come back to get ready for the Rockets. So I, we didn't think about that angle. We didn't talk about that last week on the show, but it's a great point, and it does make it a little bit tougher of a matchup for Notre Dame. It definitely does if you're having a short week, and, and you see that talk about the NFL all the time. How One of the reasons why um, NFL teams hate that Thursday um, game is because of the short week um, from that Sunday game. So I can completely see why that that is an advantage to Toledo. But at this point, I don't know about you, Zach, but I just can't seem a way to believe in hype up Toledo football. They, they disappoint um, not only me, Mac fans, Toledo fans, especially year after year. And honestly, I haven't seen any reports to show anything different in the program and the way they're training or anything. So I don't know about you, Zach, but I, I think it is a cool trap game for Notre Dame. But at this point, I'm not I'm not holding out for um, high hopes that Toledo can get it done. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Sam. I think um, I'm at a place I'm at a place now with Toledo where, again, I think talent wise, they're as good as anyone in the MAC. Talent wise, they have they can certainly go into to, um, you know, to South Bend and hang with Notre Dame. But I'm at a point now where they, they, they got to prove that to me. They got to show it to me. I feel like they've had the talent for the last three years and they continue, you know, they find ways to lose games and underperform. So I, I need to see it from them on the field before I'm able to, you know, go out here and say that I think they're going to win the game. I certainly think there's, I, I could see it happening. I don't know how likely it is, but you know, they, they, they got to prove it to me on the field. Yeah, I agree. And another response from Colin Murphy, uh, they said, how high is Western Michigan, San Jose State? 
And that was another game we mentioned last week, Sam. I think I believe that was one of your picks uh, for the non-conference games. And, um, you know, that again, you know, what we talked about last week, these are two uh, good group of five teams coming off of good years. I think San Jose State, a much better year than Western Michigan, but certainly not a bad year for the Broncos, still going four and two. Um, these are two teams that can score, that have a lot of firepower and offense. I think there can be a lot of points in this game. Uh, we, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of Western Michigan's struggles on defense and, um, you know, San Jose State with uh, Nick Starkle back under center next year, former uh, Texas A&M and Arkansas quarterback. I think there's going to be a lot of points in that game. It could be really, you know, one of those prototypical fireworks games between two group of five teams. I agree. And you mentioned the defense. And I think that Western Michigan, if they can elevate their defense from a season ago to at least a average to above average, they can do wondrous things that we saw how in that bowl game, Ball State, with their defense, showed that Nick Starkle, for as great of a season he had, they were able to confuse him, get in his head, make force him into mistakes. And I think that's where Western Michigan is going to be key, really, because obviously they can keep up with the points of San Jose State. That was proven last year. But, I mean, do you really want to? Or can you kind of force an edge where you you can score 40 points but only allow – let's say 20 to 30 a game. And I, I think that helps Caleb Elby a lot. That, help, that helps out the offensive coordinators when you don't have to rely on the offense every drive to say, hey, we have to score a touchdown, kind of like Dustin Crum did a season ago. And I think, honestly, one storyline I didn't think of is I think you bring up that 4-2 and two record. I think Western Michigan is going to be pissed one. They weren't able to get to the um, MAC championship game. They lost to Ball State. And another thing, they didn't get a bowl um, appearance, which I think they were a team that definitely deserved it. That they had mm-hmm. the cal- that they had a bowl caliber team. I think this year is gonna be they're gonna come out firing um, on all cylinders. Yeah, that's a great point, Sam. That's a great point. The fact that they got overlooked uh, for for a bowl game last year. Yeah, I think you know you got a lot returning. Obviously, Dwayne Eskridge is is tough to replace, but um, I, I agree with you with your assessment of them. I would put them and Kent state both in that, in that bucket of teams that, you know, you you don't really have any questions about them offensively. You know, that they can outscore anybody their their success this season. Both of those teams is going to be dependent upon if their defense can get a little bit better and stop anybody. Yeah, I I agree completely. I I think it comes down to the defense at the end of the day. Cause like you said, we, we know Caleb Elby can put up points similar to Dustin Crum, similar to Drew Plate, but it just comes down to getting stops because as much as we love to see Caleb Elby score every every um, drive, I'm not so sure he's going to be able to do that um, with the same success as he was last year. I think his, his performance will only increase by over a 12-game season. It's going to be tough to keep putting up 400-yard performances even against the same MAC teams that you did face a year ago. For sure. And there's also the fact this year that, you know, Caleb Ellaby is not going to surprise anybody. Everyone knows him now. You, you know, he's a first year starter last year. So now that there's some tape out there on him that defensive coordinators can look at, I, I think his certainly his this year as his second year as a starter will be tougher. I don't that's not me saying he's not up to the, ta- to the task, though. I think he's going to have a great year. You ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, but uh, moving on to um, non-general um, news segment, we had uh, the College World Series is currently underway. I think there's probably some games as we're recording this episode going on. Central Michigan had their run through, and I think uh, kind of shocked some people. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, so. So Central Michigan was in the uh, in the South Bend Regional for the uh, the NCAA tournament, which started this past weekend. Uh, a tough start for the Chippewas. Uh, game one on on Friday afternoon, they got blanked by Notre Dame, ten nothing. Um, four, they gave fourteen hits and four home runs in that game. So certainly a tough way to start for the um, for the Chippewas starting out. But again, if you recall, we talked about this last week. We talked about it when we talked about uh, the women's softball tournament as well. The NCAA baseball tournament is double elimination. So that loss to Notre Dame did not necessarily end their season. They ended up playing uh, the loser of the second game in the in the regional, which was, was between Michigan and UConn on Friday night. Uh, UConn ended up winning that game, which set up the in-state rivalry game on Saturday afternoon, Central Michigan taking on the Wolverines. And much to the delight of many Central Michigan fans, uh, the, the Chippewas went out there against Michigan on Saturday and they really handled business. They, they locked down Michigan, won that game. Eight to two, Garrett Navarra and Griffin Lockwood Powell each home run, had a home run. Uh, Jordan Patty started the game through seven and two thirds innings. Uh, a really, really nice victory for the Chippewas on Saturday afternoon against Michigan. I think, Sam, if you asked Central Michigan fans, would they have rather beat Notre Dame in the first game or Michigan in the second game? I think most of them would pick beating Michigan if I had to guess. Uh, so a, a really nice win for them. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, not only the Michigan, but the UConn win especially validated this conference. And it validated yeah. my my kind of point, and I think a lot of people's points, is that they deserve to have a two-big league this year. Like, Ball State with their non-conference schedule prove that they can hang around with the Arizonas, the Kentuckys of the world. Citra Michigan, with their postseason play, uh, cho- showed that they can only beat a Big Ten team uh, can beat a UConn team. Obviously, they can't beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame's just a different animal. I mean, winning 10-0, then 2-14 in their um, last game. I mean, Notre Dame's just another level of competition. But they but they showed this past week that the Max for real, that they should have got two bid league. Because I'm not saying that Ball State would have won their regional. I, I don't think they would have by any means, depending on which regional they get put of. But I'm not certainly – counting them out to at least have gotten one one to two wins in the regional. Yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I think Central Michigan showed the strength of the conference here. 
And uh, so for, for anyone that didn't fall, get a chance to follow the, the, um, the action this past weekend. So that game, that win on Saturday against uh, Michigan, eliminated Michigan, put Central Michigan back into the winner's bracket. So they ended up playing UConn Sunday afternoon. They went down 3 nothing in that game, and then they exploded for 14 runs the rest of the way, ended up holding off the, the Huskies 14-9. to And then, as you mentioned, Sam, uh, in the final game of the regional, for a chance to go to the, to the, 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 um, the Super Regional, Notre Dame ended up uh, just exer- asserting their will, 14-2 to for the Chippewas. But again, much of what you said is, is rings true, Sam. Nothing to, to hang your head on there if you're a Central Michigan fan. I think they showed the strength of the conference. And, and I'm with you, Sam. Ball State, I think, you know, you look at their non-conference schedule and the way they played against Kentucky and Arizona and Old Dominion. Um, this is, you know, that's a team that, that deserved to, to be there in, in the NCAA tournament. So we can only see, you know, we can only speculate as to how they would have done. I'm not saying, like you said, I'm not saying they would have won their regional, but I think they could have done what Central Michigan did and, and at least have won a couple games. And, and I will say to give Central Michigan credit, I think they, if anybody was to represent, I'm glad it was Central Michigan. They were able to have success in the regional. I think uh, shout out to them and kind of along the lines of uh, being deserving. Um, Andrew Taylor was recently named a uh, national award by the collegiate baseball newspaper. Yeah. So uh, Andrew Taylor, as you mentioned, the, the freshman pitcher for Central Michigan was named the national co-freshman of the year. So, I mean, that's everyone. This is not a Mac award. This is the entire NCAA division one baseball community voted him as the co-freshman of the year. Uh, he was 11 and four, a 1.81 ERA, uh, 15 starts. He posted two shutouts and five complete games, struck out 125 batters in that time frame, which was a CMU single season record. Uh, helped the con, you know, helped the Chippewas back to the NCAA tournament, their second consecutive MAC championship, um, all MAC first team, and also the pitcher of the year in the MAC as a freshman. So, I mean, this is a guy here with a bright future. I mean, you look at his frame, six foot five. This guy's got a, you know, got a big body, and I think that. You know, I think you think about someone like this, you know, with baseball, the baseball draft is they have that weird rule where if you go to college for baseball, you got to stay for three years. I guess it's not that weird. Football does the same thing. But uh, so this is a guy here. If he can keep this up over the next two years, I could see him, a you know, a top three, four round draft pick in the MLB come uh, come 2024. Certainly a kid with a with a bright future. Another freshman uh, that got recognized here was Bowling Green's Kyle Gurney. He was named the freshman All-America team. Uh, he was the MAC freshman of the year, led the All-MAC freshman this season in batting average, hit 333, also had 40 RBIs. So um, a couple a couple bright young rising stars here in the MAC, Sam. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is cool from the standpoint is, as you mentioned, we get to watch them for two years. And that means two more years of being developed in a um, organization, being developed in respectively Bowling Green for uh, Kyle Gurney and Central Michigan for uh, Andrew Taylor. Obviously, we know um, Central Michigan's success and probably future success, if I had to imagine. I wouldn't be surprised. I think we talked about it if they were back in the number one spot um, next year. But I think if, if, if there's any improvement that Andrew Taylor can make, it's going to be scary to watch. I mean, he, he had almost a flawless record, 11-4, and four, a 1.81 ERA. I mean, that's, that's just phenomenal, not to mention um, Kyle Gurney had 40 RBIs in one season. I mean, where can you go from here 
is the question for both of these guys. And, and I think I'm, I'm excited to see where they grow from here. Yeah, I agree. And I think especially, you know, Central Michigan already an established program in the conference. So I think the expectations there are high. I think with Bowling Green, though, it's really cool to see this because if you remember, Bowling Green's baseball program was was temporarily disbanded last year because of lack of funds. They were they dropped the program. Some alumni rallied and, and raised some money for donations that was able to get the program back up and running, but they really kind of had to rebuild everything from scratch here. So the fact that they finished, you know, 18 and 22 in the conference this year, they have the freshman of the year and Kyle Gurney, certainly some exciting things there happen in Bowling Green. I think the, the, the future is bright for the Falcons. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. And with that being said, we decided to have a little bit of fun with this next segment, kind of a football look, at, look ahead. And we decided to do um, bold predictions for the year. We each would give one or two uh, bold predictions for the year looking ahead. So, Zach, I'll start with you. Uh, what's your bold prediction? Sure. Um, so let, let me preface this by saying that a month or two ago, if you would have asked me, I, I wouldn't have thought that this would have been a bold prediction. If you recall last year after the, the MAC championship game, I, I made a prediction on this podcast. I felt that in 2022, uh, or I should say, I guess 2021 this year, um, I felt that the MAC championship game was going to be Ball State versus Kent State at Ford Field for the MAC title. When season win totals came out a couple weeks ago, I was really, really, really surprised to see Kent State's season win total only at five. I'm sticking to my guns here, Sam. Um, everyone seems to be hopping on the Ball State bandwagon, and I certainly understand why, but repeating is hard. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that Kent State wins the conference this year. I know that their defense is awful. I don't need their defense to be great. You know, you gave up 38 points a game last year. If you can, you know, get that down to 30 I think 30 points a game is a very reasonable uh very doable goal for the Kent State Golden Flashes defense the reason though I think that that Kent State's winning the conference this year is their offense this is a team last year second in the conference in scoring offense second in rushing offense first in total offense first in passing offense and of that offense you have pretty much everyone on your two deep returning except for Isaiah McCoy I know Isaiah McCoy is, is uh, not easy to replace, but you have Nikeem Hines, the, the transfer uh, from Syracuse coming in at the slot. You have uh, Marquez Cooper, Brian Bradford, both of your top two running backs la back from last year. You have basically your entire offensive line back from last year. You have Ja'Shawn Polk and Isaac Vance, your second and third best receivers back from last year. And then obviously the cherry on top of that cake is Dustin Crump, the best quarterback in the conference, maybe the best player in the conference. I don't know how defenses are going to be able to stop that offense in this league. Now, I understand uh, they have a tough schedule. You know, you got, you got non-conference games against Iowa, Maryland, and Texas A&M. Um, so I'm looking realistically, I, you know, if, you, if you're going to tell me that Kent State's going one and three in the non-conference, I will grant you that. But when I look at their, you know, let's let's assume they start off one and three in the non-conference. If you look at their schedule after that, you open up Mac play. You got Bowling Green at home. That's a win. You got Buffalo at home with all the turnover they've had. I think that's a win. You got Western Michigan on the road. 
That's a tricky game. I'll give you that. But if you can win that game, then you have Ohio and Northern Illinois. Realistically, you could be going into your Central Michigan game on November 10th at 6-3 and three overall, 5-0 and oh in the MAC. And then you got Central Michigan, Akron, and Miami of Ohio. I really see – I don't see this team losing more than one, maybe two MAC games this year, Sam. I'm going to stick to one. I think Kent State's going to go – I think – I see them going 7-1 in the conference this year and, and get into the fourth field and winning it all. Hey, I, I can, I'm there with you. I, I think I can believe that out of anybody – Again, I've said it. I love Dustin Crum. I hope um, if he enters the NFL draft, he gets a spot, at least an invite to a rookie Manning camp, because I think that's the least he deserves out of anybody in this conference is at least a UDFA, at least a rookie Manning camp invite. And I'm there with you. I can definitely see Kent State running the table. And and for me, I I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of what they did with the redesign, but what you put out on the field isn't going to be reflected on the colors, isn't dependent on your logo, isn't dependent on your nickname. So whatever you want to call them, the Western Michigan W's, Western Michigan Broncos, whatever you want us to call you. I'm going to make the bold prediction. NFL and college football are all about storylines. And I think what I said earlier is true. I think Western Michigan is going to be mad. They're going to be mad that they didn't, A, get to the MAC championship, which – wasn't due to anything other than they lost that ball state game, which I mean, isn't, isn't a knock against um, Western Michigan. It was a great game to the end. We clearly saw, I think in that first half, Western Michigan was clearly the better team fell from there. Another thing they were four and two. I think they should have been picked for a bowl game. Didn't get picked for it. I think they're going to be mad about that and run the table. And I think Western Michigan had as grave an offense as Kent State, but they 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 what only average like forty two points per game instead of the forty nine that Kent State put up. So not a real drastic difference in the offenses between Kent State and Western Michigan. And that's why I say a Caleb LB is going to win MAC Offensive Player of the Year. They're not losing a lot. Obviously, Dwayne Eskridge is going to be a big blow. But you still have Ladarius Jefferson back there. You still have most of your key pieces. There's no reason why he can't um, perform the same way he did a season ago. I think Western Michigan rolls through the MAC. I'm looking at their schedule, and even with their tough non-conference, you got Michigan, Pitt, San Jose State. That's going to do two things for you. That's going to prepare you. You got tough opponents to prepare you for conference play. And another thing, even if they go, if they lose that game against Michigan, Pitt, San Jose State, the the conference doesn't determine who goes to the championship game by the non-conference record yeah it's yeah. by the conference record so even if you go one and three it doesn't matter at that point you're not looking to go 12 and oh yeah of course you are but you're looking ahead to detroit you want that so i i like their schedule how they set it up to mentally prepare them for the rest of the schedule. You obviously have tough games against Buffalo. We'll see how they kind of shake out. Ball State, Kent State, Toledo, Central Michigan, Akron, Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois. Those aren't slouches by any means, but by scheduling their non-conference so tough, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. I like what Western Michigan did a season ago. They surprised a lot of people, especially in that Toledo game with that fake spike. It's it's the season for the Broncos as much as I'd like to see Ball State 
run it back as they like to say i think everything's too good for it just to go perfectly like it should i hear you sam and you know when i look at western michigan's schedule the first thing i would say um you know being here in in the pittsburgh area i'm not a pit fan but a lot of pit fans around here are very down on the panthers this year so i would not be surprised to see western michigan walk into Heinz Field week three and knock off Pitt and get a, get a really nice victory there. I'm not saying I'm predicting that to happen, but I could definitely see that happening. The other thing I look at, when I look at Western Michigan's schedule here, Sam, I think where their season is going to be made is you look at back-to-back weeks at home, October 9th versus Ball State, October 16th versus Kent State. If Western Michigan wins those two games, I don't see anyone out stopping them in the conference. I, I agree with you there. I think Western Michigan versus Kent State on October 16th, I'm going to circle that game right now. That's one of my games of the season in the conference this year. I think that's going to be a great game. Could be a preview of, of what we're going to see at Ford Field in December. Yeah, I think, and that kind of leads me into my next point. My, my bold prediction, Caleb Eldy wins the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Western Michigan – wins the Mac West. We obviously know how tough the Mac West is. And I, th- I think Kent State's um, destined, I, I think if anybody is with that offense, they're, they're destined to run the table in the Mac East. I think the Mac East is so wide open. We're not really sure about um, Buffalo this year. Kent State, obviously, we're talking about them. Miami, Ohio, as much as returning talent as they have, Last year, I wasn't that impressed by what they showed. Obviously, they they were hurt by their quarterback being hurt for most of the season, Brett Gabbert. But what I saw from that defense in the short time I saw them, I'm just not a believer. I think their offense, even with Brett Gabbert, didn't look the same from their their MAC title run. If if that says anything in their three games, so it was a small sample size, yes, but I think it's also telling. So. I, I think Western Michigan versus Kent State in the MAC championship game, and I think Western Michigan uses the um, motivation, uses the storylines to get themselves a MAC um, championship title against Kent State on four in four field. I, I would be excited to watch that game. I know a lot of Broncos fans would be, or um, I guess I should call them the the W fans now should be. <laughs> But, yeah, I, I think that's my prediction. You said uh, Ball State, Kent State. I would be down for that as a Ball State fan. But <laughs> much as I want to say they'll run it back, it's it's too perfect to to be able to do it. Everything's, everything is setting themselves up to be. But I think the, the what do you call, like uh, expectations is just going to be too much for Ball State. It's definitely, it's, it's tough to do. You know, you're going through the season, every conference game, you got a target on your back. Um, yeah. I think if, if ball state's not going to win the West, I think Western Michigan would be my pick and uh, man, Western Michigan, Kent state in the Mac championship game, you know, we, we could see a hundred points in that game. I, w- I would love it. I think that would be a great matchup on national TV on a Friday night in December. We'll have to listen back or we'll have to revisit this in uh, six months, Sam, see how close we were. I, I agree. And uh, before we uh, end this episode, Zach, we've heard a lot of talk about this kind of 12 game, 12 team college football playoff. And I've even seen 16 with yeah. 10 auto bids. I just want to, I just want to discuss this real quick. What are your thoughts? What, 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 what is your dream 
college football playoff? Is it the four teams? Is it eight teams? Is it 16 teams? I'll let you take it away. You know, I think in my mind, I, I think for me, the, the, the more teams, the better. Um, I would love it if the FCS, or I'm sorry, if the FBS would follow the FCS model and do a 16-team playoff. That would be incredible to me. I think if you're going to do a 16-team playoff, it's a, it's a much more kind of equitable solution. You know, a lot of people have this criticism of the college football playoff, and I can't say I disagree with them, where it's essentially just a glorified invitational. You know, you got four teams that make it based on a bunch of arbitrary criteria and a selection committee who uses the, the eye test, which I think is ridiculous. I think if you do 16 teams, you can have each conference championship champion, you know, that gives you 10 uh, auto bids and then you get six, six at larges, which you can have a committee to, to, you know, do that and look at the, you know, the advanced metrics and the stats. I would love to see a 16 team playoff. Um, I don't know how likely it is that they jump from four right to 16. I think, you know, if, if they go to eight or to 12, um, that's still better than what they're at now with four. Um, I think 16 teams is probably where they'll eventually end up. At least I hope that would be my ideal solution though. What, what do you think? I, I, I could not agree more Zach in, in my idea I'm not looking this as a logical sense from point of obviously college football and college basketball in, in basketball, you don't need as much preparation from game to game, but what I would love to see in an absolute dream scenario is what you mentioned, 16 teams. What in, in a dream sense, I would love to see it. The college basketball owns the month of March. So what I would love to do is see a college football March Madness in January. Have mm. college football. What's stopping? What's in January that's stopping college football from owning that month? Like what what like February is obviously Super Bowl. There's NBA would no NBA playoffs would be over by then. What's stopping from having that, obviously it wouldn't be the entire month, but yeah. from 16 teams, it would probably be a couple weeks. But I would love to see a March Madness style. You not only get the gambling involved, you get the fans involved. For sure. More debate, uh, more um, teams being like, I should have been the 16 team in. You could have a last four team in, last four team out scenario. Bracketology would be going crazy. Yeah. Like the amount of scenarios outside of, I think the, like you said, it's not logical that they're going to go from four to 16. I think at max it would be eight or 12. Like I've, I've seen more favorable, but just to, just to like wake up on a January Saturday and prepare for round one of the January. I'm not even sure what to call it at this point. January playoff would be insane. And the NFL is what? 16 teams now. Or is it 14? Is it 14? I think they're doing, yeah, I think it's 14. I think you're right, yeah. So then if the NFL can do it, why can't college do it at the end of the day? And it's not going to conflict with the NFL draft because the NFL draft's not till April. You get more sure. tape on guys. You get more college football that we love. I mean, what's more meaningful? You take a month out to train on your own or a month in the college football playoff? Like for the MAC, a, a Ball State, Buffalo, whoever, like – 
Obviously, Ball State ended up winning, but if Buffalo would have won the MAC championship game and got an auto bid, you get to see Jared Patterson running all over Wild, let's say Oklahoma. Yeah, you're not, you're not paying tickets. You're not watching ESPN Plus or whatever you have to to watch the game. Like, I I think the scenarios is um, limitless. I think it's just up to the NCAA um, to implement it and. But first, I think we have to get the athletes paid before we even worry about worrying about the – because yeah. we're, if we can't even get a thing that they said they would implement to actually go through. How are we going to start talking about things that the NCAA doesn't even know they want to do exactly? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Sam. I think that's why I'm very encouraged by a lot of these name, image, and likeness bills that states are passing. And I think it does look like athletes are going to be able to start getting – you know, make money off, off their image here soon. So I agree with you. I think that's the first issue that needs to be tackled here. But again, I, I, I think, yeah, we're, we're in agreement. I would love to see a 16 team playoff. You know, you could even start it like you could even start it right around Christmas, whenever, you know, the, the bowl games would initially start, you know, in a normal year, start it around Christmas and, and run it through, you know, the middle of January, which is right. You know, especially now, Sam, you know, with the, with the NFL adding an extra week to the season, their playoffs are pushed back a week. So you have the NFL playoffs now that aren't starting until mid-January. So, you know, you have, you know, you start, start your, your playoff week one of like the weekend before Christmas, run it through the middle of January, finishing up right as the NFL playoffs are pick, picking up. I think that's an ideal scenario. It makes a lot of sense. And I probably too much sense for them to do it right now. So I'd love to see it. We'll see. We'll see if and when that comes to fruition, though. Yeah, I agree. But um, anyway, that's um, after that little um, sidebar that I just thought of. Um, that'll be the end of episode forty-nine um, of the Mid American Bandwagon Podcast. It's unreal to think that we're one episode away from episode fifty. Half of a hundred mark seems unreal. Seems like it was just yesterday. It was episode ten talking yeah. about Mac football or whatever we were talking about back then unrails to, to know how far we've come but hopefully you did enjoy again let us know what you think uh what format you'd like to see of the college football playoff in uh on twitter of course at mac underscore bandwagon again we'll keep pushing these episodes out every friday as usual we hope you guys did enjoy this episode and we'll talk to you guys next friday see you